0: Who's there? It's the Has Been Hoops podcast again. I'm joined by a good mate, Chris Anstey. Big fella, how are we? Uh,
1: I'm good. And, well, I'm, I'm good now. The reason we're doing this one a couple of days later, I've been laid up in bed. So not much to report the last couple of days, but plenty of time to watch a few games. But before we get into the uh, the pro games, I, I want to talk about uh, the game you had with, uh, with Taz. Um, you you told, told me about it today, and I want you to share... Uh, Well, that game. I've
0: I've got my two boys over from Cairns, and luckily, out of the cyclone area and around me for the next couple of weeks, which is great. Um, But on on Monday night, I was able to take uh, both my kids down, uh, and we were just playing some pickup ball. NBL one players, under twenty state team players, under eighteen state team players, and. and Taz, we and uh, I got to uh, share the court with my son. Um, this is far from a LeBron and Bonnie, uh, Bronny situation. This is more of a Wertho and Wertho situation. And um, now Taz is 14. Taz is 14. And uh, man, it was just, it's good fun. You never, you never know quite know as a dad how much fun and joy being on the same basketball court as your son would bring you. But uh, I had a lot of fun on Monday night. He, he, didn't enjoy it as much because he didn't make a shot, but um, he had to kindly remind him how old he was at some stages and that he was doing fine. What he was doing, so it was it was it was a it was a joy. Monday was an absolute joy for me.
1: Now, now on that, I'm not sure we've actually spoken about this. Uh, let's call it a rumor for now. Rumor is you might be going around again. I, we, we thought that this was your last one as the season went on, but the r- rumor is you might be considering. Another NBL one season.
0: Um, considering is probably the right word. Um, few things to weigh up still, but um, I don't know. I sort of. I guess I'm uh, pretty lucky to be now at 40 and still be able to run around and do what I do and still enjoy it as well. I guess I, that's a big part. And when you step into the business world, it's really hard to replicate. A team environment, as much as businesses try to replicate that, uh, there is nothing quite like going through the grind and doing the training sessions and the highs and lows of a basketball game. Um, and let's be let's be honest, it's a it's a great way to stay in shape for me and uh, keep running around. And if I can still do it, then I might as well still it, try and do it.
1: Is that the biggest part though? Because you know how often you speak about it, and I speak about it a lot. A lot of businesses bring us in to speak about parallels between sport and business. And as much as we give them glimpses and insights, you just can't replicate it, can you? And I was thinking about this the other day. People have different shifts. People work at different hours. People work from home sometimes. Quite literally, when you're on a team, you turn up at the exact same time. Every single day that there's training on, every single day there's a game on, every single experience you have with the entire team, it's something that you just don't get so is that actually, when it came to, was that one, will that become one of the biggest deciding factors to just continually have that team element?
0: Well, I guess when I first uh, joined Willerton last season, um, I went down just to have the initial just run around and see how I'd go sort of mentality. And then it quickly became like, oh, now I remember like, this is actually good fund. And um, I think as a pro athlete, you sort of take for granted how good of a quote-unquote job that you have of being able to run around with uh, a bunch of your mates. You don't have to like everyone in your team, but for the most part, you enjoy um, the people that you hang out with and, and you go through the struggles. You also enjoy success with each other. And um, when thinking about whether or not I would do it again, um, there is no substitution for an actual team sport at the end of the day. Uh, no business can replicate it as much as they preach it. It just doesn't happen. Um, there's, there's people that uh, try and I'm sure there's businesses that get close, but um, I, I also think that the fact that your, your investment is the body that you, you put into your work And it's hard work running up and down the court, sliding your feet, keeping someone in front of you, running a structured offence. If it was easy, everyone would be able to do it. But the fact of the matter is it's not easy. It's hard work. And then if everyone buys into it, um, then you share this common bond between you and your teammates of what the hard work that you've gone through to get to an end result.
1: I I was having a conversation with someone just not long ago and we were discussing and we'll get off this quick, but um, discussing that they've got staff members who if they start at, say, 5 o'clock and are instructed to be there 10 minutes early to prepare, want 10 minutes extra salary. That's the type of attitude you just don't get in sport. You get there early, you invest in yourself, like you say, and you're in it to get better, not in it to get paid all the time. Now, moving on, let's get on to what we should be talking about, a team, a professional team that may not be experiencing what you've just described, that enjoyment and actually winning much as a group recently, the Adelaide 36ers. Now, CJ Bruton's been fired. The stories come out that the owners had instructed CJ to bench certain veteran players, Jason Caddy and Mitch McCarron, to name a couple, um, play the younger guys, Trenton Flowers and others, Uh, but also until an article was written had withheld some per diem allowances entitled to the players. So fair to say it's not going that well over there. Um, and its I, I don't want to dig into Adelaide right now. I think we hope Scotty Nunez does well, and we hope that the young kids make the most of their opportunities. But I couldn't help but think, and I haven't heard this discussed anywhere yet, but you know that I've got the Taranakiers in New Zealand now, and one of the interesting things they've done is they've added a trade window. Uh, in the middle of the season for one week. Now, it's not like the NBA where you can be traded at any time, pretty much, and you have no saying that the trade window in New Zealand because the salaries are so small, A has to be has to be agreed on by club and player and fit within $10,000 of the salary cap. So it's really by mutual agreement. Is this a situation that we see in Adelaide now where the conversation around having a trade window in the NBL should be had because if I'm Jason Caddy or I'm Mitch McCarron and I've been told I'm going to the bench, just like the NBA does with a lot of their vets when they're tanking, those two players could absolutely help a couple of championship contenders if they're able to trade for them.
0: I would love to see it. Um, I think the logistics of it makes it really hard, obviously. Um if it's a like for like as far as uh, contract and what it is, um, if you were a Mitch McCarron, for example, living in Adelaide, versus uh, a DJ Hogue, for example, living in Sydney, you want more money to live in Sydney because of the.
1: Um, but but the, would the you, living, if you? But if you're a significant But if, if I'm a
0: player and I'd, I I got told that you're going to be seated. We're going to go with a youth movement. Of course, I'd love to have a trade period um, where that sort of fits the bill of putting me in a place where I'm going to play basketball. Because ultimately, all these guys, all they want to do is play basketball, right? They want to play basketball and they want to win basketball. If you're on a losing team and you're getting told you're not playing, the first thing you'd want to do is try and find a a new home for yourself. Unfortunately for Sunday Desh and for Jason Cadet, they've got another year on their contract as well. I, I say, yeah. unfortunately, if they hold on to him, hopefully they let him go out of their contract, um, pay him out and see them go somewhere else.
1: No, I absolutely agree. Um, I, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see the discussion had. And uh, there is some. You know, there, there are a few to be an interesting conversation to have this time of year. Um, Mate, uh, a team that did make a change, uh, the South East Melbourne Phoenix uh, cut Will Cummings um, wasn't turning up to promotions, was turning up late to team activities, all off court. And let's not make him out to be a, a, a bad human or anything uh, untoward, but probably didn't invest into the community element of his responsibilities as a professional player as was requested by the Phoenix. And they've drawn a line in the sand with regard to culture. And uh, they've brought in Abdul Nader, Nader? Nader. I'm not sure how we're pronouncing it. So on paper, positionally, it looks like a good choice. Uh, culturally, we don't know. But they had to make a move after, after losing, uh, after Craig, losing Moller. Uh, Craig Moller. Uh, they needed that position filled. So potentially the timing of Will Cummings not turning up to promotions might have worked out well for the club.
0: I like how you said, Nader that's your tennis person coming out in you, as in Nadal. Um, uh, I really liked Mike Kelly's press conference post-game after Sydney and said, like, it was a tough choice for the Phoenix, but Will Cummings was basically making a choice himself by not attending these things or showing up late to him. And by him making that stance... It allowed the Phoenix to make their stance on the situation. Um, With MOLA going down, we had spoken about... uh, they're needing to be a change in their roster to, to best fit them. I think Matt Kenyon is the most likely candidate to come in and slide into the two spot. Uh, we've known him as a defender throughout his NBL career, but he's actually shooting the three ball at a decent clip as well.
1: Was good uh, the last couple of games.
0: My my concern is that with Abdel is he hasn't played basketball in two years. And the one thing I know about the NBL It's not a league that you can just come in and dominate if you haven't been playing basketball um so it's going to take time for him to integrate into what the nbl style the the way that um the phoenix run their offense i mean and they've got plenty guys that need the ball in their hands like gary brown is a loves uh the ball in his hands obviously mitch creek is a big focal point alan williams is a big focal point for him as well um does that, make be, it,
1: does that make it easier for him to fit in and, and take some time to get involved in the system?
0: I think it just makes this a slow burn as far as him coming good. So if they can hold on into that position, playoff round or the play-in and you get the best basketball from him on the back end, um, I think he can help them. Uh, once again, uh, I think it's a really nice pickup by Tommy Greer and what the Phoenix have done Um as far as his pedigree and what he it, it played over 200 NBA games and from a few of the highlights, he's that athletic wing that they needed um, in that role. So be interesting to see. It would be a watch this space for the Phoenix and, you know, obviously when you've got people like Mitch Creek and, and Alan Williams uh, and Gary Brown, like you've already got pretty good stock in there that can can act as a stopgap. I just want to touch one more thing on the Phoenix before I leave. Um, the other week when we went to the game against New Zealand, um, what we weren't privy to was Mitch Creek's after game, uh, conversation that he had with the NBL commentary team. And they basically asked how the break was for him. And his response was, it was probably, it was shit. It was probably the worst (laughs) two weeks of his life and, and what he was going through. Um, funnily enough we'd gone up to the function room afterwards. We hadn't known about these comments that he'd made. Um, and he stood there and signed every autograph of every kid that went up to him, had a photo with every person that came up to him, um, and continued to play that leadership role that he does for the Phoenix and, and was inviting to everyone. Didn't turn a single person away, came up and chatted to yourself and myself. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I just commend him for the way that he conducted himself post game, having said what he had said that we weren't privy to at the time. But um, it was uh, it was noticeable.
1: He was. In, uh, I'll echo what you said, and you know, so uh, and until you're behind closed doors in a sports club, you really don't know what goes on during the week, and clearly, everybody deals with. Real life inverted commas issues coming into a lot of games, and Mitch was dealing with one of them. Um, found a way to perform, and you know, in some positive way. That's I know when I've had a couple of things over the years, it became an escape instead of a burden. The player was you could release that mm-hmm. for a couple of hours a week and perform and, reasonably well.
0: And I guess the other thing that I take away in hindsight is um, we talked about Modi Mayor and the way that he's conducted himself uh, and reading the Twitter comments as well. Obviously what's happening in the Gaza Strip at the moment is playing on his mind um, and something that's affecting him. So I know what we said in the last podcast, and but obviously as we've always been with everyone, we hope first and foremost that his mental state is okay as well with everything that's happening um, Back on the other side of the world, so um, we just just wanted to point that one out as well.
1: Let's move across to the NBA. Um, the NBA got a dream situation with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the LA Lakers winning the inaugural in-season tournament. Um, and everybody you speak to in the industry agrees that for a first-year run at it, it was really, really successful. Um, it's not going anywhere. It was fun to watch. It gave a small European flavour, you know, a knockout game flavour to the segment of the NBA season that often doesn't capture the imagination of many basketball fans. Um, was there anything that you saw through this in-season tournament that hasn't been backed up over already and uh, talked about at length yet?
0: It just made me care about NBA basketball in November and December. What more could you ask for? Outside yep. of the hideous basketball courts, which hopefully they can tweak that slightly to still make it recognisable that it's an end season tournament game.
1: He's but already, not, Adam Silver's already come out and said that'll change. Yep. And the court they played on for the semi final and the final was closer to what it's going to end up looking like.
0: Steve, With, still too bold for me. I'd prefer just a a... a darker tint strip down the middle of the court still put the logo uh of the trophy in the middle of the court that's all it needs to be
1: for me but i'd love
0: i'd loved everything about this tournament to tell you the truth i thought it was fantastic and a great initiative and and at what stage over the last decade have you seen people like lebron james actually care about these games in november and december
1: no, it, it, it's been great, and yeah, you know, what we, we, they took important games to a, another big market. Um, to the best of my knowledge, it was the first time the NBA's ever sold games as a doubleheader. They the, the back-to-back games on the same ticket, and from everybody that was there that I've spoken to, they were fascinated in the difference of game night presentation between on semi-final night between Indiana's home court crew. And the Lakers home court between the entertainment, the music, the vocal, uh, really, really different vibes. So, again, I think it worked out well for the league that the Lakers made it to that final four. It may not have had the same success. Well, Vegas a is a smaller
0: market. Vegas is Lakers country. Let's be totally right. honest about it. And um, we've seen it time and time again at Summer League that when the Lakers play well in summer league that that crowd gets into it and are up and about so to have LeBron, AD and the crew play basketball at a really high level at this time of year uh, it was fun to watch.
1: There are three players I'd like your opinion on uh, A, leading up to the tournament but including the tournament I guess I got highlighted. The first one what did you make of Anthony Davis's performance? Um, Because as I watched, in that final, he cared. And we were reminded that at his best, he's still a top, let's say, 10 player in the league. The problem is he's been extraordinarily inconsistent in effort, performance, and injury. But I walked away thinking, geez, if you get that version of AD and LeBron fit and healthy... The Lakers will be a tough out when they all care at any time of this season.
0: Yeah. Um, my takeaway on Anthony Davis is I'm just more frustrated <laughs> by him of what he can do and how good he actually is um, when he gives a shit. And uh, he gave a shit in this, this in-season tournament. And he, he wanted to win, what do you have, 41 and 20, 20 in, the, yeah. in the championship game? I mean... If we get that version of Anthony Davis, yeah, the Lakers are very, very hard to beat. Um, I can't help but think teams like the Nuggets that didn't seem to care as much in this in-season tournament and Jokic who didn't seem to care as much about Vegas and, and whatnot. I'm interested to see the lasting effect of playing hard now, uh, right. typically, this would be the, the time that LeBron takes a couple games off here and there to prepare for the postseason. And what this does for AD, who is the worst culprit for wearing street clothes, um, what what happens to the Lakers from here? They, they lost to the Mavericks this morning. Um, that didn't have a Kyrie Irving that probably helped. Dallas in all honesty. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to see where the Lakers go from here and especially Anthony Davis's play. A
1: little conversational Eurostep will we'll come back, but you mentioned uh what did you, you mentioned Nikola Jokic and he's quite literally taken games off performance wise and was ejected today, which is out of character for him. And we also had Jamal Murray ejected in a game recently. So it, it doesn't all seem smooth sailing at Denver. Uh, defending champions, Jamal Murray's battle injury, Nikola Jokic started the season as the best player on the planet and yeah, just these last week, week and a half. Yeah, as some people have described, It was it's back to Nikola Jokic for a short period of time. The first couple of years he was in the league where he's taken 30 shots a game, he's bad touch around the rim, he's frustrated, he's getting thrown out of games. Any cause for concern or are you like me just thinking there's some as we mentioned before, there's probably something else going on away from the court, it'll be a speed hump and we'll be back to dominating pretty quickly?
0: Yeah. Well, the last two ejections I can't help but say that the NBA officiating this year has been shitty ass. <laughs> um where you can have Draymond Green jumping, screaming, carrying on like a pork chop and not get a tech foul. What about his objection
1: today, just speaking of? Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other story. I
0: mean, the Mavericks game with getting a a Hardaway Jr., getting a tech foul for hanging on the ring as he was going full speed in for a dunk, swung forward, swung back, let go, and got a tech foul. The NBA officiating is an absolute joke, and I know that the NBL have come out with... The NBL refs are struggling with abuse right now, um, but if we can call a spade a spade, it's been bad.
1: It, the, it has. They've they've taken away the emotive part of sport, which is such a big part of it. And when you don't, when you're not able to show emotion, you eventually release emotion in an exaggerated way. And I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Um, but I, you what? Know, I've always sat on the opinion that. I actually don't blame the referees. I blame the direction that they're given. I, I can't believe that all of the referees have decided to to do this at the one time without being Correct. specifically directed by the league. So I go one step further and hope that they're allowed. You know, we don't have to protect them that much, I don't think. But ejections, and we're way off track now. Draymond Green, a- again, just that people who said he didn't mean it, flailed, hit. Uh, use of Merkic across the face got thrown out of another game. At what stage, and we're due to speak about the Warriors later, but let's just jump into it now. At, at what stage is does he can do they consider trading him? I know they're talking about a trade, and most people believe it to be Wiggins, Wiggins. or Kaminga, or you know, but at what stage is Draymond Green's already cost him a championship series, arguably. Um, at what stage is it too much?
0: I'll, I'll just answer your first question. I'm not worried about Jokic, by the way. I'm sorry I jumped jumped around, we- but I'm not I'm not worried about him in the slightest. Um, just unnecessary is the best way to sum up Draymond. Unnecessary, and he reminds me of an old guy that's just lost a little, like lost a bit too much touch but still wants to tell people how good he is um similar to me running around in MBL one i'd assume Um, but i'm not sure what his value to the team is currently i'm not dismissing what he's done previously for this warriors team but i'm not sure what his current value for the team is Um, because we're not seeing the draymond high level defender that we've seen previously we're not seeing dream on the high level facilitator that we're seeing now that we've got Chris Paul and the team and the way that they're running their offense. So I'm not sure what his trade value is. Um, Would I think it be considered if I was a ruthless business person or a ruthless GM? I would definitely consider it. Do I think they will make that move? I don't. I think the Warriors stand on these guys have earned the right to be here until they don't want to be here anymore. And so whether that's Draymond, whether that's Clay, uh, they'll move other pieces around before they move out of the the Warriors um, system. So I just, it's, it's hard to say that he's not going to get better because let's face it, it's December. There's still so much more basketball to play, but I think the Warriors need to figure out a system and how they're going to play together going forward um, because they've definitely lost a fair bit of shine of what we've known the Warriors to be in previously.
1: The second player, to go back to the original three players out of the IST... We've really Euro-stepped around this one. We're we're back now. Yep. Tyrese Halliburton. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, there's conversation from anywhere from most improved to all-star to... Uh, all NBA. I don't I think MVP is a step too far. Yep. But one thing that the in-season tournament did was give the Indiana Pacers a platform for a few days in the media. And we saw Miles Turner's comment about he doesn't play with Lego, he builds Lego. He was really clear about that. But Tyrese Halliburton. When he hit a three down the stretch, he he pointed at his watch against Milwaukee. And, you know, everybody knows Dame Lillard's Dame time pointing at his watch. And Dame Lillard was actually really even-minded in his reply. But they asked Tyrese after the game, you know, do you believe it's your time now? And he said, no, 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 that's not what that meant. It's our time. And I thought, geez, I like this guy. Like in the moment where he's an all-star potential MVP in the conversation he's talking about, it's his team's time. Uh, I just thought that was really, really interesting compared to some of the other comments we hear from some other superstars around the league.
0: I'm huge on on this guy. I think he's fantastic. Um, Very similar to what we've seen from Brunson last year, sort of this this meteoric rise from out of nowhere. Uh, I'd always liked him as a player previously, but he's taken that next step the same way that Brunson took the next step uh, last season. But both of them just likeable guys that are team first players. Um, they don't look like they're taking all the shots, like they're still playing within a system, nothing looks overly rushed or out of control when they take a shot. And to have uh, a point guard like that and for him to have his platform like that in Indiana where um, he does have complementary players around him, um, uh, yeah, there's so much to like about him and where he's going in his NBA career and hopefully he continues to improve. I mean, his shot's ugly as sin, but he goes goes in. in. Um, and doesn't there's not enough room on the uh, box scorecard to tell you how it goes in, as Parky would say. So, and shout out to our mate Parky who's over in uh, the states at the moment.
1: The other thing he said was when they asked about the attention of the in-season tournament and the benefit to a small market team like Indiana he said, it allows us to showcase what we do so that we can become a destination for any free agents we might need to sign. I mean, again, how's that for a statement, whether it's subliminally or not, to say, I'm sticking around here. yeah. And I know Indiana's a small market team, but they traded for me. And I, I want to rebuild this thing into something that's really competitive. I just thought those two comments he made on top of his incredible performances all season long. I don't know, that for me was as big a highlight of the in-season tournament as any, actually getting to know a little bit more of Tyrese Halliburton and what he and the Pacers stood for.
0: Do Um, um, Do you look back at that trade now with Sabonis? I think everyone thought at the time that the Kings won that trade, hands down with Sabonis. How do you look at it right now? As it stands. I think
1: I think both teams won. I think yeah. oftentimes you scratch your head. I think it was a win-win trade, and there have been a few of them. But I remember thinking at the time, this could be one of them if, if Halliburton grows in the way. I th- because Sacramento were really high when they on Halliburton when they traded for him, but they knew or they thought that a guy like Sabonis would be better with Darren Fox and with the young, other yeah. young studs they had there. So. I just think it's win-win. The third player, um, and again, speaking to people who were there, they said, until you walk into the gym, you see this guy on TV and you understand the commentary, but until you see him in real person, you don't realize how out of shape Zion Williamson is. Oh, he's
0: he's a shape all right. Round.
1: Yeah, but it was interesting, and years ago, before he got drafted, I did a little podcast. At the time, it was either for Bed Easy or Crown, but I can't recall. And I sat next to Daniel Preacy, who if you end up listening to this, mate, I hope you're doing well in the States. He's gone and done great things with his media career. But we had an argument on air about him, about Zion being a generational talent in his mind. And me suggesting that Zion could end up more like a Zach Randolph. Now, Zion's clearly got more talent than Zach Randolph, but Zach Randolph was a very good player for those 90s NBA fans, but battled with weight, couldn't stay on the floor, and and we've seen that his entire career so far. He doesn't rebound for his size, and... oh. oh, There was a question asked uh, of Doc Rivers by Bill Simmons. You know, how long is it until Zion's on his last chance? And, you know, Doc sort of said with any player of that talent, it's probably one of the biggest flaws in a coach is that you'll never say that. You'll always want to be there to be the one who helps have him reach his potential. But, geez, the number of chances have to be getting shorter, particularly in New Orleans.
0: I thought Stephen A was probably the funniest thing he said in a while was every chef wants to meet Zion because <laughs> he'll eat everything, including the table. Um, it's just a shame. Like Someone of his size and the way that he's moved and still how explosive he is when he decides to go up and go get the ball is incredible. Um, but he's, I think he's just going to end up being one of those what-if what sort of players, what if he was healthy? What if he was in shape? You know, I guess we'll never know the full potential of Zion, or we can only, or people could only dream to have that sort of uh, gifted athletic ability, but there's no doubt that he is one of the larger people in this, um, in the association right now. And um, even if he gets to a Zach Randolph state, Zach Randolph was a hell of a player, someone I'd love watching growing up and the way that he was able to play, but Zion doesn't have the finesse or touch around the rim that Zach... I think he does. Ran, so I
1: think he's got really good touch around the rim. Not, he Zach can't was,
0: shoot it. Zach was just something different to me. I, I'm not yeah. saying that he was bad. I'm just saying he's not at the Zach Randolph level. Um, Isn't that
1: interesting? We've gone from generational talent and Zach Randolph may actually end up being one of the closest I've got in a long-term prediction, which I didn't actually didn't think he'd struggle that much. But um, on trades, we mentioned OKC and what they might do. And we'll finish this part off on two Aussies. Um, Josh Gideon, we, we talk mental health, and let's not dig into the, the off-court stuff, but clearly everything that's going on off the court is affecting Josh. Uh, it's been reflected in a drop in minutes, drop in performance. Uh, Josh is consistently not closing games in in close games. Um, It's a two-part question. The the first part, with the talent around Josh at OKC, is he the most tradable guy on their roster and would it actually be good for him? And then the second part of that is if your answer is yes... The Thunder are one of the slightest teams that need physicality. Would you do a Josh Giddy for Zion Williamson trade if you were both teams?
0: All right. Um, start with Giddey. Um, first and foremost, just hope that he's okay. Is he probably uh, the highest on their trade um, block? I'd say he would be currently, um, especially when you've got Someone like SGA there that can run the point as well. Um, as good as Giddy has been and his current struggles, um, you could see that you could get value for Giddy right now still in in what he brings to the table. Would I like to see him go from OKC? I would not. But I would suggest that he might be the highest person on their trade block currently. Would I trade him for Zion? I don't know if that would be a win win, so to speak. Um,
1: and, and I know the numbers don't match up for those yeah, yeah. trade machine people yet, but but, but if you so put then.
0: giddy if you put Giddy there, um, then New Orleans really have a big hole to fill, so to speak. Uh, not just because of the size of what Zion brings, but in that position as well. So well, only for um, about unless, 30
1: games a year.
0: Unless they adopted a more of a small ball and were happy to play a Brandon Ingram in the four spot a little bit more and be able to junk things up, um, which for a lot of these teams, for life of me, when you've got people like a Kevin Durant that can play in the four, like going smaller and slider is not the worst thing in the world uh, as it currently stands, so... Would I would I do that trade? Probably not. Do I think Josh Kiddie is probably the highest on the trade block? Yes, I do. Uh,
1: as it sits right now, OKC is second in the West. Um, I think it's reasonably general consensus. A few people expect them to possibly drop outside a home court advantage, as in top four is, um, and Minnesota sit on top. Um, Really interesting to have two small market teams top of the West. We haven't seen that in quite a while. And I know Denver have been up there, but um, the top two teams that have come from quite a way back over the last two and three years. It's it's an interesting uh, Western division at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, from a Minnesota point of view, they, they've hung their hat on the defensive end and it's been uh, quite impressive what they're able to do. Uh, Edwards continues to shine as their star of their team but uh i think the real star has been their defensive play to this point of the season um okay see so, uh we thought that we'll make a jump this year did i think that'd be top two at this stage probably not uh but like you I, I feel like the wheels might fall off this a little bit here uh and and the fact of the matter is is there's a lot of talented teams that are right on their heels as well that uh could quite possibly swallow them up quickly. Um, I know this is not on the run sheet. I know that you potentially might bring up the Dallas Mavericks and what they've been able to do. I was able to watch a full game of the Mavericks today. They look good, and they look good because they're moving the ball, and it's not predominantly Luka uh, dribbling it. Obviously, they had no Kyrie today, but... Um, I will admit... I still, th- I
1: still think they look better without Kyrie.
0: So do I. I'd trade him if I was the Mavericks. But uh, Lively, how good he's been as a roller and a lob threat. Um, but the ball movement, Dante, awesome game today by Dante, especially fourth quarter and what he was able to do. when we seven of nine from three. Um, yeah, the, the Mavericks have proven me wrong so far uh, this season. I'll happily... Uh, say that I was wrong to this point.
1: Well, you you did call them fool's gold. You also called the Perth Wildcats fool's gold and you're calling their game on Friday night, which is by the time this gets live and we get our shit together, it's probably tonight. Um, Just to go back to the Warriors to tie this up, um, they're 10 and 13 and in 11th spot. Um, You've got Memphis to get Jar Morant back in three games. They are the only two teams outside the top ten the to plane that have any chance of, of jumping in. Utah won't, Portland won't, and the Spurs won't. For the Warriors to make it, and let's expect the Pelicans to get better if Zion does play like he did the other day and have 40. The Clippers, you know, five in a row, they've won. The Phoenix haven't well, today they played their first game with, no, they didn't have Durant. So and they beat the Warriors without Durant. They haven't had a game yet where they've had Beal, Booker and Durant. We expect them to get better. Is it quite literally the only team that the Warriors can knock out is the Houston Rockets? Are that's, we there yet?
0: That's what I'm looking at.
1: So, and- so so, can they miss? I mean, I, I, let, let's also say that Memphis chased pretty hard with Ja Morant. Are the Warriors a lock to make the plane? No, No. They're not, right?
0: No, far from it. Um,
1: they, they've, they've got to be a trade candidate. They've got to do something.
0: Well, I feel like Wiggins is going to be the scapegoat in all of this, and they'll move on off him and potentially Kaminga as well, but Wiggins would probably be, be then number one. And then, you know what? I think they've got to get rid of Chris Paul as well.
1: I, don't, I just never understood that one. Yeah, I, I didn't, and I don't think it's helped.
0: So the two two decent players that could get value back for you to fill in some of the holes that they need right now, um, but yeah, I, I I'm still trying to figure out how Chris Paul and the Warriors it would it would work this season if it was to stay the course. I, I just don't see it happening.
1: The last player I want to mention, and I've been really super impressed, A, with the way he handled signing a contract, being sent to the G League, uh, coming back and being offered a full contract was Duop Reith, who signed for the Trailblazers. Um, in DeAndre Ayton's absence, he's actually started a few games as well. But, you know, plus minus isn't everything. Um, but when it shows a trend, we have to pay attention so in the last eight games that Duop Reith has played, and in those eight games they've had five losses, Duop has not been a minus. So he has been in the positive, in the plus minus. His last eight games, which have included five losses, that to me says that he's really, really efficient. He's shooting the ball at a high clip. He's got to be defending. And I must admit, I haven't seen enough of Portland to give you the, the blow by blow, but I'm going to have to start tuning in. That's really impressive for a guy that wasn't deemed good enough to be in the NBA only a month and a half ago.
0: So happy with his individual success with the the Trailblazers so far, and um, he just came comes across as this uh, workhorse for the Boomers that does a lot of the the dirty stuff with not much recognition or accolades of what he brings to the table and it's good to see. sometimes the international game doesn't translate to the NBA, uh, same as the NBL game doesn't translate to the NBA at times as well. Um, but his ability to stretch the floor as a shooter, his ability to run the floor as a big, his ability to be able to, uh, play well enough in the pick and roll coverages, because that's what a lot of bigs pretty much get, you know, they look at your ability to guard pick and roll situations and, uh, I think to date, he's done a great job with all of that. So look forward to his continued development. I would assume, and I'm not sure of his contract status, but he'll be one, one of the guys that other teams will start sniffing around to see his availability. Um, that being said, another Australian that I'd like to see get more opportunity is our, our man, Jock Landau. And uh, we all saw the great stuff that he did at the back end of last season. With the sons, it would be nice to see him get an opportunity to show what he can do as well.
1: Couldn't agree more. We'll leave it there. Were though, I'm going to go and get a box of tissues and uh, blow my nose. I've been sniffing on mute all game. Oh, all game. All game. All podcast. That's how yeah. well I'm going. Uh, we'll chat to you earlier next week.
0: No worries, mate. Have a good one. Knock, knock. See you, mate.